what's up, Gator Country? Man, Andrew Spivey back with my man Seth. Seth, we're back, and uh, have, have we cooled off yet, or are we still feeling that 55-20 uh, Cotton Bowl loss? Yeah, I, I, I kind of moved on somewhere in the third quarter, so, uh, <laughs> so I think uh, some of the coaching staff moved on after the Alabama game. Was, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Oh, it was uh, not pretty from the start. That's no. uh, what we can say. I mean, you knew things were going to be really bad when Kyle Chastler throw, uh, throws three first-half interceptions. You knew things were going to spiral very quickly when that happened. And You know, I I look back at the game, and, you know, I look back at Kyle Trask, and, you know, it was great that he played. I'm, I'm glad he played and, you know, showed out for everybody. But uh, you have to look back in hindsight and say, maybe that wasn't the smartest idea for him. No, the first the first pick I think was totally on him. He seemed late, but uncharacteristically late, which is you know could be he's wanting to make sure this guy runs the route correctly because he's never played with him before really, and and then the other two were just you know a guy you want a guy to sit in the hole and zone he doesn't and now he reaches back and tips it up and then you get a pass rush to hit your hand. It, he did himself no favors by playing. I it feels like after the game when. When Mullen says that, oh yeah, we went in with a really simple game plan. I feel like they didn't do him any favors either. Uh, you know, tra yeah, I feel like you kind of owe it to him to Trask for what he's done the last couple of seasons to really try to send him out on a, on the right note. And it didn't seem like they were really focused on doing that. Well, and I, you know, I think what you just said was was accurate, and that was, you know, he. You know, you get used to guys like Kyle Pitts and, and, you know, Trayvon Grimes and Jacob Copeland and Kadarius Toney being in the spot. And, you know, the one thing we, we talk about and praise Kyle Trask for is his ability to put the ball in a spot for the receiver to go get it. Um, and I think you, you have a good point there in that, you know, I, I don't think he fully trusted, you know, guys like Rick Wells and those guys to go out and fully make that play. You know, the, the ball to Kamori Gamble, was it a – you know, a perfect throw? No. Was it a terrible throw? No. Uh, Kamori should have caught the ball. Uh, Kyle Pitts catches it. <laughs> and I think that's one where he was expecting him to sit, and Gamble kept running a little bit. Right. And if he would have sat, it would, the ball would have been placed on his shoulder away from the defender, which is a great spot, so he right. could turn away from the defender. He keeps running and now has to kind of sl slam the brakes on and reach back, and now you get a tip ball for a pick. Um, so it, it was just... You know, you could tell early on, as soon as that pick six, you felt like you were in for a long night, and that turned out to be true. Yeah, and I mean, the the defense, once again, no no help. Uh, you know, and yes, you know, there was a lot of young guys playing in the game, but uh, also there were some veterans, and, you know, the Donovan Steiner, you know, poor safety play continued. Uh, you know, the, the linebackers not filling gaps, and, you know, defense alignment not keeping contained continued. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing, and Seth, I mean, yes, there was a lot of young guys that played. Derek Wingo played a ton. Uh, Mordecai McDaniel played his first snaps of the year. Jahari Rogers, Avery Helm all played first snaps of the year. But it, tackling's tackling. And that's the thing that bothers me is wrap up. Whoever taught these guys how to wrap up, I, I just don't know. And, you know, open field, you break down, you get in a, a football stance, you make a tackle. Period. You don't dive in somebody's legs. You don't, you know, try to shoulder tackle them. You wrap up and, you know, and, and, and angles. Angles are the same in every football. You know, I mean, a linebacker's angles is a linebacker's angles. A safety's angles are a safety's angles. It, it just is, you know, that's the part that is like, 
bothersome to me because those are things that are taught in individual drills. And you do indie every day of practice for 15 to 30 minutes of, of indie work, just working on tackle and that kind of stuff. And, and like pursuit angles and that kind of stuff is like you're teaching that in freshman football. You know, hey, we're all going to get on. We're going to do a pursuit drill. I'm sure it's something they've done in the preseason. Maybe they haven't done it in a while, but right. yeah, the the tackling has been an issue all year. It seems to be more widespread than just at Florida, but it's been particularly bad. And what Oklahoma did a good job of is they ran that counter. They ran a lot of stuff where they was going to put Florida's defensive backs in positions to come up and make tackles. And that unit has struggled all year coming up, filling, making tackles. Yeah, I mean, 435 yards rushing offense for Oklahoma. It's embarrassing. They average more yards per rush attempt than Florida average per completion. I've seen that, just, yeah. Just to put that in perspective, that's insane. I, there was a stat, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me right this second. Uh, I can probably find it here in a minute. But I believe it was seven Oklahoma uh, 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 players ran for their longest of the year. Seven. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. That's uh. I mean, that's embarrassing. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, that's the that's the stuff, and uh, you know, we'll get into it. I mean, Torian Gray and Ron English are no longer a part of the staff. You know, yes, the secondary play was awful this year, but. It wasn't just secondary play, Seth, and, and that's the the issue that you look at is it wasn't just secondary play that, that really, you know, destroyed the season. I mean, how many times did the defensive linemen just not get in position to, you know, to, to make a play on, on a tackle because either, A, they went through the wrong gap, they weren't paying attention, or they didn't get a tackle. How many times do we have to watch a linebacker just misplay, you know, run plays, simple counter plays? How many times do we have to watch that before it gets corrected? Yeah, with with regards to counter, like, Texas A&M was running counter at down Florida's throw. That's what they did in the second half of the game. They figured out, okay, we can just run counter. Um, and you can call it counter. Some guys are calling it just like GT because maybe not the backfield actions different, but whatever. You're pulling two guys from the backside. Florida didn't fit it well against Texas A&M, and nothing changed. You could throw on the Texas A&M tape and the Oklahoma tape. It looks exactly the same. Yeah. So that's that. That's kind of a discouraging sign. Right. To me, that stuff hadn't changed throughout the year, and that kind of removes a lot of excuses about having condensed practices for the season. Right. Because stuff didn't seem to change, and um, you know that that's kind of uh, that's kind of tough to see. You have no change from game three to the bowl game. Well, yeah, you know, and and that's kind of you know we're getting way different things here, but you know, Grantham's coming back. That's what it appears right now. We've we've had multiple people tell us that you know as of we're taping this on Sunday afternoon, the plan is for him to be back next year as defensive coordinator. And a lot of the excuse is, well, he didn't have spring practice to get his young guys you know prepared, and you know this this that and the other and. You know, yes, that's the truth, but so is that. That's everywhere around the country. But you're you're watching guys make the same little mistakes all throughout the year. Nothing improved on this defense at all, and 
you, you were a veteran-based defense that even last year wasn't this bad. And, you know, yes, offenses have gotten better, everything else, but this is, a, this is just an overall team that did not improve at all. And, you know, you look at, you know, I, Kyrie Elam's a very good player, but, you know, had someone tell me, did Kyrie Elam really improve from last year to this year? And I think the answer is no. I don't, I don't even know how you could tell. Uh, you know, there's not like it's not like he's rolled up in the number one receiver's face every play, taking him out of the play. It's hard, I think it's hard to even tell kind of if he's gotten better. And if you can't really tell, then I think that would lead you to believe now he probably hasn't. But it, the the spring there is something to that. But that's something that I think early in the year. That's I think it's a valid excuse for the Ole Miss game, right? Uh, even up to Texas A and M. But once you get to the end of the year, you know, it's it's your job as a coach to understand what you have and game plan around that. There it's you know, it's it's tough you when you feel like I've I've coached bet teams that have had bad players. Like, you know, they just weren't as talented as other groups I've had before. I you could you can sit and say, "Ah, this group's just not as good, you know." But or you can adjust and try to do things they're good at and accentuate their strengths. And it, it feels like a lot of coaches at higher levels will just be like, oh, this group just isn't as talented as the past ones. Instead of changing what they're doing, they just say – they just keep doing the same thing and then and then just point to the players. Well, you gotta you got to make some changes yourself, too, to help them out. Yeah, I mean, you know, 90% of coaching is, is adjusting to what you have. And, yeah. you know, whether that's, you know, good or bad, but, you know, you, you see a lot of teams, you know, have to adjust. I mean, you know, for instance, this offense that Dan Mullen had this year and the offense that Dan Mullen's going to have next year are going to be two totally different people. But guess what? He had a great quarterback in Kyle Trask who couldn't run the ball as effectively as an Emory Jones or whatever, so he had to. You know, next year Emory Jones doesn't throw the ball near as good as, you know, a, a guy like uh, – Kyle Trask, so guess what you're going to do? You're going to run or run the ball more. So uh, you have to adjust, and, you know, I think that's the thing with Grantham is, is that, it, you know, it's I, – I don't know how to describe, the, you know, the, the fact of him not replacing Grantham. I, I mean, I, I just don't. I, I don't – I don't get the justification for it. I think it's a bad look, uh, you know, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. You race, you wasted a very, very, very good football team offensively and you went eight and four. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never advocate publicly for a coach to be fired just being in it. Right. And it's just a tough business. But, you know, something's got to change. Uh, it could be Grantham maybe looking back at the season, he's going to realize i got to change my ways a little bit. But this game, totally, it, it, it made me flash back to uh, 95 Fiesta Bowl, Florida-Nebraska. Florida's defense gets run over and embarrassed. Spurrier fires his defensive coordinator. I think it was after one year, I believe. Was right. Bob I think he fired him after one season, went out and got Bob Stoops. The rest is history. You know, it, it's what what's some, something's got to change, right? Right. So what's going to change? So maybe maybe the back end the back end did bust a ton this year, so maybe maybe that just changing that will help. But there were other issues like we said before. So something's going to have to change, I think, on that side of the ball. Not necessarily the coaches, but they're going to have to make some schematic changes and adjustments to kind of catch up a little bit after this season. Well, the thing that bothers me, Seth, is this, and that is, after the game, Mullen used the excuse, well, we were without, you know, a lot of guys. We were down to, you know, less than 60 guys. Um, we, a lot of these guys were scout team guys. 
Okay, yes, I get that. You were without, you know, your four best receivers. I get that. But that is a indictment of yourself by saying that because that's how you recruited. They're, these are all your guys. These are your guys you recruited. Your, your guys should be able to line up and play better than they did on Wednesday in the Cotton Bowl, better than they did. You know, you look at – you look at what everybody around the country in these bowl games are doing. You look at North Carolina against A&M. They're without a lot of guys. They still hung in the game and competed. You look mm. at, you know, uh, uh, other teams as well. Uh, you know, you look back at the LSU team. Uh, when they beat Florida, they had 50-some guys that were on the, you know, on the field at the end of the game. They were still competing and won the game. And this is a Florida team that just looked – depleted it looked like a team that was not very good um and those are your guys that are playing and i think that is what uh has a lot of people concerned a lot of people scared about next year is simply because what's what does this mean like what are these guys are they going to be able to get developed in a spring in a in a fall or is this really what next season is going to look like and that goes offensively and defensively i mean receiver wise you know rick wells jamarcus weston those guys they didn't look very good keon zipper had a lot of drops Kamori Gamble had a lot of drops in the game. You know, when you brought in some of those second-team offensive line, they didn't look very good. Um, you know, so it's a little bit of an indictment on on the recruiting as well. And, and I think, you know, part of the – I think the, the, the it's tough to draw, I think, too much from this game. I think you can draw some things. Like, but one thing, it, it really seemed like they didn't really put a lot into this game, game planning-wise. Uh, Mullen even said after the game, we went with a really simple game plan – which isn't going to do those guys any favors either. Um, Oklahoma didn't come in with a simple game plan. It ended up becoming simple because they realized, oh, we can just run the ball down their throat. We don't have we don't have to do anything more complex than that. Right. But they didn't come in. You know, they they came in defensively and just decided, hey, they don't have those guys that can really kill us downfield. So we're not going to give them any cheap ones. Throw everything in front. We'll we'll rally and, and make tackles and and you guys can just slowly move the ball down the field and then Florida pressed a little bit and turned the ball over, but. You know, I, it's 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 kind of sad, really, the way the season ended. Um, you, we, you lose three in a row, but right. you lost a ton of goodwill. I mean, going into that LSU game, um, I think everybody was feeling really great about the direction of the program. Right. And then now these last three games have kind of given people some pause. I still think that, you know, coaching-wise, this group is still really good and can get some things figured out. They obviously have a lot of work to do on the defensive side of the ball, but you have to trust your head coach is making the right decision. And if he's not, he'll end up paying for that down the line. But he's been pretty good so far. So I, I think we don't you don't want to freak out too much from one game where it really appeared they didn't care very much. But it does give cause for concern. Going, you know, you start off so well, you go into you kind of don't play great after the Georgia game. It bites you at LSU. You play really, you really play well against Alabama, who who may end up being the national champion, and then you come out and lay an egg in your bowl game. It really seemed like the whole season was leading up to that Alabama game, and after that, they were kind of over it. Yeah, I think what you just said is right. You, the 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 positivity around the program is gone. Uh, you know, and, and Mullen said after the game, well, you know, we've played in three New Year's Six bowls. That's that's good, and and that's fine. But at the University of Florida, the goal is not to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. The, the goal is to get to the playoffs. And you, you haven't got there. And, you know, you could say, well, we were on the brink of it. Yes and no. Because 
if you lose to Alabama, you still weren't going to go. And you, you, I mean, they had a chance in the Alabama game, but still. But I think the biggest thing, Seth, that is going to come out of this year and I think is what's going to haunt people the most is the excuse-making that has been, you know, going on all throughout the, the, the season. You know, you look back at the COVID issue uh, after the A&M game. You know, you look at the LSU game after the LSU game. Then you look after the Alabama game where he's, you know, saying that they should still go to the playoffs and, you know, do they even want to play in a bowl game? And then you look after the A&M or the Oklahoma game and that comes up about the scout team guys. There's a lot of excuses that I think have, you know, rubbed people the wrong way. And I think next year that's what's got to be cleaned up. It's it's on you, right? At a certain point, you got to take, um, you got to take responsibility. You got to take ownership. You know, I've been there. Sometimes it is, hey man, these players just didn't execute. I called a great game and we lost. I've been there. You feel that way, but you don't say that. You know, you 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 kind of take the heat for your players a little bit. Right. And and th- that is kind of, you know, it's not when you. It's, I know I know it's not going to be looked upon well by other coaches where. Every time you lose, oh, it's somebody else's fault. Sometimes you get beat. Like th- this last game, they just got their butts handed to them. They just got beat. Whether it was motivation or whatever, Oklahoma came in with a much better plan and out executed you and just crushed you. Yeah. You gotta take. You just gotta take your take it like a man sometimes, and just say, hey, we got our butts beat. That's something that's not going to endear him to a lot of other people. But it, it may be true. He may be right. But you can't vocalize that every time you lose it doesn't look great yeah and you know and it's like i said uh to you off the air and that is a lot of people around the country are are looking at it and and not very happy you know and kind of laughing at him uh at the way it's win and you know that's not a good thing um you know the the whole grantham thing is is not a good thing as well because um it's just it just doesn't look good, you know. After an eight and four season like this, where you had aspirations to 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 get in the playoffs and this kind of stuff, then you lose like that. You kind of feel like a change had to be made there. And again, I'm with you. I don't like to call for anybody's job because it's just, uh, you know, I've been in the business just like you have, and it sucks and it's it's yeah. tough. And you know, there's no there's no uh, there's no bad coaches at this level, and that's just no. what it is. But. Uh, offensively, when you look at this game and, and you look at the future, what did you see from Emory that you liked, and what did you see from Emory that maybe rose some concern? Emory, I, I love, obviously, I think the number one thing a lot of people are going to say is the way he runs. He's going to add a bunch of different wrinkles to the offense next year, things that make it easier to run the ball, not just with him, but just totally. It, it changes the looks the defense can give you. Um I thought he threw the ball well at times in his in the in his in the, his career when he's gotten the chances throwing the ball well. Uh, he's not quite. I think he's got to work a little bit on accuracy, but he's got a really strong arm. You saw him fit the ball into some tight spots. I think he's really talented. And I think he'll add a different dimension to the offense. I don't think the offense will be better, but I don't think they'll take a huge drop as some people think. But uh, he adds. He definitely adds some wrinkles with his ability to run, and I think with some time with the, you know, the first group and a lot of practice reps, he can be that guy that can beat you throwing the ball as well. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, Seth, is is the question going into next year on this offense is what what does the offensive line look like? Can the offensive line run block? If the offensive line can't run block, then I think you're in trouble. If this offensive line improves and can run block, then I think you know Emory can and can do well. Uh, I just think that it's a situation that if you're if you come back with the same style of offensive line that can't pass block, I, I just I get concerned about or run block. Excuse me, I get concerned about. Emory's ability and and I'll take it a step further in that like you said I think he can definitely throw the ball well I think it's just not as high percentage as Kyle can and I think that you don't want to put him in a position where he's throwing as much as Kyle does either no I, I think he's a guy that uh he I don't he's not quite there where, where Trask is especially in the ball placement department but he made some throws in that cotton bowl that were that he threw a, that I think it was a go route so was it Whittemore maybe on yeah. the sideline that was just perfectly thrown? He flashes that ability to make really good throws. What they can do with him next year is kind of – they can get in the same kind of empty packages they got with Trask, but now he's a real threat to run. Right. And you can do some kind of one-man RPO game with him that could make them really tough to stop. That threat of the quarterback run really opens up a lot of things. You're probably not going to be able to throw the ball as well just because Trask was so accurate and such a great processor, but – if the offensive staff remains the same, which it seems like they are going to, you're going to have a really good quarterback coach helping out that really trains his guys up well. So I'd imagine he'll be ready to play next year. I will say this. Anthony Richardson is has a bright future. Hey, he's a big dude, huh? He's a bright future. When when he when he gets out in the open space running the ball and, and his just leadership skills, it, it – it, it's it's refreshing to see it, and then you see him throw the ball to, to Pouncey, and it was a, it was an on the money throw, good throw. Obviously, it was against some of the backups for Oklahoma, but still, I I'm a very very big fan of Anthony Richardson. I, I like I said, I think uh, Emory will be fine, uh, but I think the future is is, is Anthony Richardson, and it's going to be bright with Anthony Richardson. Uh, a little concern for me was the skill position. Um, I do think they'll get developed, um, and you know I think Jaquavion Frazier's will be is going to be fine. I, I think you know Henderson's going to be fine as well, and they're going to be good players. Uh, I kind of wonder the tight end position a little bit. Zipper looked good at times, but had some drops in the game. Didn't look as you know. Uh, didn't look very good in his route running as I, as I thought he had earlier in the year. Um, so that's a position that's got to continue to improve. And again, I think it will. I mean, this staff's shown their ability with the um, skill position to get them ready. Yeah, I would I would think so. Um, the drops are a little concerning, kind of all the way around, but it hadn't been an issue all year. So maybe just chalk it up to one game, and maybe guys get a little butterflies because they're playing, they're starting for the first time, and the big stadium there and they're playing a Oklahoma, you know, I don't know, but I, hopefully that stuff doesn't linger. And if it doesn't, I think they will be fine. Uh, zipper. I thought he played all right. Besides the, he had a critical third down drop. Gamble had like three or four drops, which was uh, unfortunate and shorter had a couple as well on pretty well thrown balls, but those are catches those guys have been making. So hopefully that doesn't linger into, into next year. And if it doesn't, I think they will be all right. Just with how much experience they've gotten, getting a lot of reps this year. Hopefully this is kind of an aberration. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully so. Um, 
let's uh, let's start to move on a little bit. So um, obviously we're taping this on Sunday afternoon, and um, you know the rumors are out there about T. Rob being a guy that Florida wants in the secondary. Uh, it does look like Florida is going to you know give whoever the secondary coach is the full control over the secondary, and then potentially hire another defensive coach because you know you want an extra defensive coach when your head coach is an offensive-minded guy. So uh, it does look like that it'll be you know a, a defensive coach. Where, in your opinion, I, in in my my opinion, I would be I would be okay with them splitting the secondary, or I'd be okay with them adding a defensive line coach of having a uh, a defensive end coach and then a defensive you know interior guy. But the thing for Florida is they kind of already in a way have that in that they have you know Christian Robinson who coaches more of those outside backers, you know those uh, or excuse me Grantham coaches more of the outside backers and those rush guys. Yeah, typically, like, when you're splitting, you want it to be, um, you know, safeties, corners, and like you said, D-tackles, D-ends. But the, the, with Grantham, already, they're already split linebackers, you know? Right. I, I think the I think you'd be fine either way. I, I don't think – I think you can give – there's nothing wrong with giving somebody the entire back end, uh, there, and, or there's nothing wrong with splitting it up. It's kind of whatever. I, you just got to have guys that come in and – have the whole staff in sync with whatever the plan is. You don't want guys that, you know, you want guys that fit what they want to do. You know, sometimes you can even have good coaches, but if they're not all in sync and in line with how they want to play, that can produce poor results. So most important thing I think is finding guys that understand how they want to play and can coach it, um, which however they decide to split it up. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is whatever that second coach is has to be an elite recruiter. Yeah, I think I think both. I think anybody you bring on the staff, you, you've got to have recruiting in mind, yeah. um, <laughs> because that I, we look at the playoff, the the four teams in the playoff. I think if you go by the team talent composite, two, three, four, and Notre Dame was eight. And I think everyone believe everyone looks at that and says Notre Dame's not anywhere near talented enough to be in these games. Right. Yeah. Florida. I think Florida's seventh. So it's about being in that top top four, top five to give yourself a chance. So recruiting is the name of the game. Right. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And I think you know when you when you kind of look at at this staff, that is their one deficiency is is the recruiting department um and you know when you look at you look at just for instance ohio state you know ohio state's passing game at times this year has been you know suspect but they can run the ball with the best of them and that's something you know that when when you know in this bowl game had florida been able to run the ball you can line anybody up and run the ball if your offensive line's getting great push. Uh, Florida hasn't, so they relied, you know, on Trask to do so much, and I think that's a big key this offseason. And, you know, I don't want to blame this on Nick Savage. I think this is some of the coaching mentality on this staff, but they've got to get more physical. Yeah, the, the big differentiator at the top is in the in the, in the the really tough offenses, right, when you look at – Florida, just against, say, Alabama. You can do a lot of stuff on the back end against Florida because you're not really worried they're going to run the ball. Right. Najee Harris and that offensive line really limits what you can do in the back end because if you if you try to put too many guys back in coverage to, to double Devontae Smith or, or roll coverage in all this weird way, they can just line up and run the ball at you. They'll get in twelve. They'll get in two tight end personnel or like a tight end H back and just run the ball down your throat. And now 
you come up to stop the run, and now it gives him one-on-ones with their receivers. So that's really the best offensive have that ability. And if you don't, it really makes it hard. Florida did a really good job scheming stuff up and scheming around their inability to run. But if you can't run, it just makes it so hard on you. If you can, it really opens everything up. And that's what you're seeing with the best offenses in the country and the two offenses that are going to be playing for the national championship. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you look at, you know, even in the NFL, you, you know, you look at what the um, the Chiefs do. You know, the, you know, everybody talks about Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes is great. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's he's the best of the best right now. But you look at what he's able to do, and, and he's able to hand the ball off to, you know, uh, Edward Solaire or Le'Veon Bell or whatever it may be. But they're able to keep defenses honest in, in that, you know, kind of mindset. And like you said, that's just something Florida hasn't been able to do and hasn't been able to do not just this year, but the last few years. I mean, even last year with, with Michael P. Ryan, who's in the NFL right now, they still weren't able to run the ball very well. No, and if you look back to Mullen's past, his, think about his best offenses in Florida. They were pretty, you know, there was like 250 passing, 200 rushing or something similar. They were they had that ability, and so that opened up the passing game. Right. If you could have given Trask how, with how accurate he is, if you would have given him a really good running game, he would have been even more unbelievable this year, which is which is kind of hard to believe. But it it just makes things so much easier because you you can't um, you can't send as many resources to defending the pass. You've got to use those on the run because it's easy just to turn around and hand it off. Right. Oh, agreed. Yeah. So um, this off season. What are your biggest keys for Florida? I think that offensive line, obviously that improvement there would go a long way towards helping them. I think they've got a lot of skill position talent. Obviously you never want to kind of let that go, but getting that offensive line developed, I think really both lines, I think the, the primary focus for me would be getting better on both lines of scrimmage. Uh-huh. You've got to be able to run the ball when you need it, and you've got to be able to get to the passer or stop the run without having to put a bunch of guys up without having to stack the box. If you can stop the run without having to stack eight guys in the box, you become really good on defense. So I think they got to get better up front on both sides of the ball. That would be my focus, whether it seems to be that maybe through the, um, the old transfer portal, but that, that would be my focus, getting better on both lines of scrimmage. If you can do that, you'll win a ton of games next year. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's my biggest key is, you know, getting getting more physical um, up front and, you know, just figuring out, you know, how how you can protect Emory and, and use Emory's, you know, ability to the best of, you know, to the best. I, like I said before, you're, you do not want Emory throwing the ball as much as Kyle Trask is. He's just not going to be as successful with it. It's not his game. Um, but you have to also be able to do what's best for him. And right now that's, you know, isn't isn't there because I don't think Florida can pa- uh, run block good enough to allow Emory to be as good as he can be um, at the quarterback spot. Uh, also, I, you know, I think a big thing is just you know in general figuring out whatever the issue is in the defense. If it's just you know the if the scapegoats were you know Tory and Gray and those guys and you think they were the reason, well then whoever comes in has got to be the the problem solver and the fixer of that problem. You can't go into next year having the continuous you know miscommunications, the continuous uh, you know not being able to line up that kind of stuff. You just can't do it. That costs you too many games this year. No, the first drive of the first drive of the Cotton Bowl, you leave the number two receiver uncovered. 
then you have two safeties standing in the middle field next to each other. Yeah. So I so I mean it makes sense if these are the guys gone. I suppose there there you could there's been a bunch of busts in coverage in the back end this year. So I, it would make sense if Bowen's going to the coordinator and saying, "Hey man, what's the problem?" It's like, well, you see all these busts in the back end. It's it's got to be them. So yeah, that that's got to be fixed. And if that's not fixed next year, then then you know what, what's really the problem? Yeah. Right. So. Um, that yeah, I I agree. That's you got to fix those. You got to have guys lined up in the right place and not busting. Uh, and it wasn't the the crazy part was it wasn't like it was a lot of young guys busting either. Was, they weren't playing young guys all over the place. There were some veteran guys that were busting quite a bit. Yeah, that that's the that's the the one thing that I say. Yeah, you can blame whoever you want to blame, but like these were veteran guys. So like, what was the you know, what was the hold up here? You know, why are you still in game, you know, uh, what was it, 12 of, of the season and still not being able to get lined up against no huddle? Like, that to me is the thing that's concerning is, you know, why why couldn't you get, you know, I mean, do, were you not showing that in practice at all? And if you weren't, what were you doing? Yeah, there's no, just for, you know, this isn't a real in-depth coaching point, but just for people that, you know, maybe football novices, you never want your safeties to be able to high-five before the snap that's, that's usually not a good way to line them up so when that happens something's wrong right you 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 want them covering both hashes at the <laughs> beginning of the uh of the snap <laughs> yeah uh it's not even typically good for them to be able to touch hands after a play because either you uh, allowed a catch or something went wrong <laughs> yeah and it's definitely not good for them to be chewing each other out asking for uh what who's supposed to have what Especially not while the ball's still in the air and you see that a, a few times. Yeah. Uh, all right, Seth. Well, we're going to get out of here. We will be back uh, and um, you know, when we get some coaching news. And uh, it looks like uh, you know, it should come pretty soon. I, you know, it's uh, the transfer portal, the, uh, the second part of the recruiting process. That's all still going on. So you, know, you kind of need to make a decision quick uh, where you want to go you know, with, your, with your coaching staff and so that you, know, you can – whoever comes in can help recruit some guys to maybe fix uh, and help the issue that they got. So we'll be back then, Seth. And as always, man, we appreciate it. What you got coming to the site this week? I'm not too sure yet. I may wait to see kind of what happens on the coaching front and then kind of look at those guys and see what they've done in the past. So I'll probably be kind of waiting like everybody else is to see what happens with these hires and, and kind of see what happens from there. But once hires get made, you know, I'll probably put some stuff together to, so you can kind of see what these guys have done in the past, their past stops, and, and what you can expect to see, uh, maybe some changes that they'll bring with them. Okay, that sounds good. Well, we appreciate it, man. And as always, guys, check us out on the site and check us out on Twitter at thegatorcountry.com. And as always, guys, we appreciate it.